When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. My name is Charles Laux, and I'm your host. I am here today with a very special guest. Uh, this is Mr. Brad File. Brad uh, is one of the orchestra directors at Nequa Valley High School outside of Chicago in Naperville, Illinois. And uh, he and I have go way back to both of our first year teaching back in uh, 1996 out in Las Vegas, Nevada, where we taught together for uh, quite a few years and we were able to uh, build our friendship and um, become pretty strong colleagues. And we've spent uh, a lot of time together uh, at ASTA conferences and everything else in Midwest. So I want to welcome uh, Mr. Brad File. Welcome, Brad. Hey, thanks, Chuck. So great to be here with you today. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's great to have you. Um, just wanted to um, you know, let the audience get to know you a little bit. And uh, we're going to talk uh, we, we were talking the other day, kind of out of the blue, and it's been a while, and then um, all of a sudden you're telling me about all this great stuff you're doing at your school with the technology and your, um, you know, your remote teaching. And so I was like, well, we got to get you on the podcast and let everybody hear about all this great stuff. So um, you know, tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and you know, your instrument, and where you went to school, and kind of you know, your career in a nutshell, so we can kind of get to know you a little bit better. All right, great. Yeah, well, I grew up in uh, Westland, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. I uh, went to the University of Michigan, uh, studied bass performance and education, uh, headed out to Las Vegas where I got to meet uh, Chuck, uh, played in the Las Vegas Philharmonic out there, taught at Las Vegas High School uh, and uh, Fremont Middle School. That was my first uh, job as well. Uh, but after uh, 11 years there, moved back to the Midwest here to Naperville, Illinois. Uh, where I'm one of three orchestra directors at Nequa Valley High School. Wow. I've got a really great thriving program uh, with uh, about 250 students in it, which is it's just fantastic. Um, yeah. And I also play bass with the Heartland Festival Orchestra in, in Washington, Illinois. So I uh, love to, to keep playing as much as I can as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, always nice to be able to do that. And, and they definitely a challenge when you're so busy, you know, with your high school program. So tell us about the, the courses that you teach at your high school. I know you said you have three orchestra teachers. So uh, how do you guys divvy up your responsibilities and what, what are, you, are you teaching any other classes besides orchestra? Yeah. So what I teach, uh, I teach our three freshman orchestras. We have a freshman campus. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's a really good opportunity for us to, to really make sure the students sort of leave that freshman year with some, some basic understanding of, of, of concepts that we want them to uh, to have, and so mm -hmm. some sort of the, the gatekeeper, I guess, before they go on to our <laughs> our, our five main building uh, courses. So uh, one of those freshman orchestras is an audition group, and the other two are are ability based uh, but non audition. Great, great. Uh, 
And I do also run our, our Wildcat Fiddlers, which is an extracurricular uh, fiddle group. Cool. And then you guys do a lot of extra performances with that group? Uh, with the fiddle group, yeah, we do about four four sort of big performances each year, like a, mm -hmm. a spectacular concert, a world music concert, a fiddle fest concert, and then uh, you know some nursing homes and local uh, performances yeah. like that. So. Nice to get out in the community and do that. Um, and then what kind of, um, I mean, obviously it's a fiddle group, so, um, and you said you do world music, so w where do you get those resources? Are something that you write, or are there some tunes that you found that work well for like uh, for instance world music is something that i am not really well versed in at all right well and i say world music it's a world music concert so most of the music mm -hmm. on that uh we take from uh, irish fiddling for example got it okay know, or, or something like that but we'll we'll even do you know, we did you know, my shot from hamilton uh, uh -huh. you know two years ago uh, you know it's a great so, arrangement yeah so even yeah. even American music is still world music. So uh, we That's right. uh, do as much as we can. <laughs> but yeah, I'm always looking for uh, you know, great uh, Norwegian fiddle tunes. I mean, you know, like there, there's uh, such a wealth out there of, of untapped fiddle music that I think I wish there was more arrangements of. So yeah, I do end up doing quite a few of my own. I was going to say well, you so. you've got a couple of things published. What, what what some of the pieces you published are uh, through Alfred and. Anywhere else? Uh, just Alfred. Yeah, and one okay. of those is uh, you know, a, a Scottish air called Dark Island, which is a, a fiddle tune that uh, I often do with my fiddle groups. So that's cool. And what other what other pieces have you published with them? I've got the uh, slow movement from Mahler One uh, string mm. arrangement, uh, and then I have two easy full orchestra tunes. Uh, one is a uh, New World Symphony finale, and the other one is Chester. And those were oh. were just uh, done as I was looking through the, the library of beginning full orchestra stuff. There's just not a whole lot out there for no, that first no. entrance into the full orchestra experience. So, Absolutely. That was always my challenge. I had a youth orchestra I did for the Georgia Youth Symphony Orchestra, and um, I think the toughest job on that was more so than the having the students be in full orchestra for the very first time was selecting music and finding um, appropriate tunes for them that would work, you know, um, for that level of string players. I had kids that, you know, were Suzuki kids that could, you know, play anything but couldn't read very well. And then I had all these wind players who were kind of a, a mix of ability levels. So that was always a challenge. And it's, you know, we need more more of that. And the better literature we have out there, the more, you know, the, the better chances of, of uh, you know, orchestra directors being able to start uh, full orchestra at a younger age. I think that's one of the, the downfalls is just there's not that much out there. So people are kind of hesitant or afraid to to start. So great. Yeah. Great. Um, so tell us about uh, your situation, you know, at Nequa Valley. Uh, you said you had told me that you guys have not gone back face to face at all. And you've been virtual this whole time since March. Tell us a little bit about uh, your situation and maybe some of the solutions and, you know, uh, <laughs> downfalls or uh, issues that, you know, that, that make it have been made it difficult for you. Sure. Yeah, we've been we've been uh, remote since uh, you know, March uh, 13th. Yep. I guess it was the, the day before Pi Day. My my room still has Pi symbols on it from uh, oh my from mine who attacked me with uh, with Pi. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, I think. Like a lot of people, when when we realized we were starting this year, 
uh, remote or even hybrid, you know, we, we were all sort of scrambling as to how we're going to make, make the most of this. And I think, you know, in general, you know, we as, as music teachers are, are very resourceful and, and have adapted well. And I think mm-hmm. supported each other on, on, uh, you know, social media, there are a lot of, of, of groups that are offering ideas and support. And I think in general, we just tend to sort of work together and reach out to each other. But, you know, one of the, the first things mm-hmm. that, that stuck out to me was, you know, with this whole hybrid situation, you know, I don't know which instruments I'm going to have on any <laughs> given day in the room, you know, and it's so, a hodgepodge. <laughs> um, so my mind immediately went to some of these flexible arrangements that have, you know, the violinist has all four parts. The violist has all four parts. Oh yeah. Cellist. So no matter who was in the room, we could still have a four part arrangement. Um, and I've, I've actually learned, I think, some things from this experience. I think one of them is that I'm going to do this type of thing every year uh, because it's really mm. great for, for kids to get to experience the melody. You know, as a bass player, sure. I always appreciate that. Um, but also, you know, the, the inner voices, you know, that, that we often don't get to play as bass players. And, right. Um, no, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. You know, I mean, I, I've always been a fan of chorales because – you can do that a little bit, and there's some chorales that are, you know, made for everybody gets to, you know, can try different parts. But, you know, in literature, not necessarily. So you're right. This is a a really great opportunity. Uh, so that was sort of my first go-to. The other um, the other go-to that I've, I've been using are rounds. Uh, mm. and there's a great uh, uh, book that uh, Louis Borgonzi put together of, of rounds. Yes. And... Uh, the, the nice thing about that, well, let me back up. Our, our district, we were very lucky, uh, paid for Soundtrap for every student. Uh, wow. Soundtrap is a, a recording uh, studio, I guess you would call it, similar mm-hmm. to like uh, a garage band, but a little more basic level, which for the kids is, is really good. But um, and so that's, and that's how we've com- been. That's, uh, completely on, that's a completely online um, you know, software, right? There's no software to download. Correct. Yeah. So it's all okay. online. Um, so that's the way that the kids have been recording most of their assignments throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soundtrap does allow them to collaborate as well. So I could assign, you know, four violinists to a project that becomes like a Google Doc, and they each can can add and, and mm-hmm. uh, um, create somewhat of an ensemble uh, there as well. But one of the neat things about the rounds is that uh, it also enables them to sort of create music with themselves. With themselves. Right, right. <laughs> themselves, it's not word, themselves. And, uh, you know, so that all they have to do is get the round right once, and then they can copy and paste and, and uh, create up to, a, you know, a four-part round, which is uh, is neat. That's fantastic. I mean, it, you know, it does show a, a lot of rhythmic deficiencies um, in students, and it can be frustrating uh for a lot of these kids who have difficulty playing individually with a, a steady tempo. And, right, uh, right. So it is, you know, I, I would not say that every student is crazy about Soundtrap, but I, I do think sure. it's sort of, we're making the best of the situation right. that we can. Does it, does it allow for a, a click track or a metronome in there at all? Yeah, so there's um, a metronome that they can play mm-hmm. along with. And, and pretty much every assignment that I give, I'm also recording uh, a track for them to play along with, especially my 
my lesser experienced students because yeah. you know, they are used to having a stand partner, you know, and mm-hmm. a leader up front. And so I don't think it's necessarily cheating to give them me playing the violin along with them, you know. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, a lot of us who are doing recording are, are realizing that this is a different type of, you know, performance art. And, you know, there's the live performance art where kids are playing together. They're spontaneous. They're, you know, they're making adjustments on the fly because they hear something, they listen to it and they hear it. But when they're playing by themselves with a click track, whether or not, you know, they feel like they're playing with other people, they're playing by themselves and they're having to adhere to a very strict beat, you know, and a a strict tempo. And there's no wiggle room, you know. And, you know, I told my students, I said, listen to a recording from last year and try and clap along to it or set a metronome to it. You're going to see how much we vary, you know, as much as we don't want to. Um, but you can't do that when you're playing uh, with a recording and with a click track. You have to you have to adhere. So this is a new standard, and I almost think in some ways it's it's asking them to play at a higher level and more independently. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I do, and I think I, I found myself as well. Um, you know, I'll be playing along, and I'll I'll go back and listen and say, wait, that's not with the metronome. <laughs> you know, this this mm-hmm. program must be wrong. And gosh, how I don't know if you thought this throughout the course of this either, but like, how do how do professional musicians record an album without going crazy? You know, yeah. I mean, it is it is such a uh, an art form that I've really gained a lot of respect for uh, throughout this project. You know, just getting you know one good take of something uh, is is very challenging. It, it definitely is, and you know, we're we're our biggest critic, so. Um, you know, and we're putting it out there for our kids. So we, we can't, (laughs) we can't miss notes or flub rhythms or whatever. And we want, we want them to be able to adhere that same standard. So yeah, it's challenging. And I, I've, you know, had to step away from the mic, if you will, a a few times to take a break and, you know, get a cup of coffee and then come back and try and do it again. Because especially when we're playing our secondary instruments, I, I mean, I just remember playing some, some bass tracks as easy as they are. It's like my, my, my intonation is not good or my tone isn't where I want it to be. And, you know, I need to feel like I need to practice my secondary instruments more to get them to be really, really, really strong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I felt the same exact way as I was, you know, recording because I'm probably like you in that, you know, my room here is, is I've got a violin, viola, cello and a bass all, all in here, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, um, uh, it's, it's been fun, you know, fun putting together <laughs> yeah. a, uh, a track of me playing all four parts. But like you said, uh, uh, you know, sometimes I, I wish uh, the intonation on my violin was a little better, you know. <laughs> it's uh, We all do, I think. Um, it's one of those things. But I, it, it does keep us in check, too. And, um, you know, I think it's it's important that our kids know that, you know, we can we can perform on all these instruments and be able to, to cover their parts. Um, yeah. And I think the other important know. thing, too, I told the students this and I, I tell myself this is, you know, don't don't be a perfectionist with this assignment. You know, mm-hmm. if there's a note that you're not happy with, that's OK. You know, right. <laughs> don't don't beat yourself up uh, to get the perfect recording. This is this is an assignment for you to to grow. OK, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and so I, I have that, and then I also have the opposite, where I'm I'm getting things that are hard to recognize sometimes, and 
So, you know, we have to, to get those students to try to, to step it up a little bit and, and understand that, you know, well, like, especially I was doing a virtual orchestra um, before the holidays, before break, and holy cow, I had some, I had some recordings that, are, that were quite in. Right. Yeah, exactly. So one of the other uh, things I've been doing with the students in, in Soundtrap is looping. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I've gained a great appreciation for this art form as well. Uh, in, in doing this a bit on my own, I, I did buy a loop pedal that I've, uh, I've used a couple of times in the past years. But uh, it's, it's such a performance art, you really got to practice a lot at it to get it yeah. right. And, uh, yeah. You know, I, I certainly like, you know, many teachers don't have a lot of extra time. You just sort of sit around and learn to loop, you know, right. which I did. Uh, but actually, recently I have. And, but Soundtrap, I think, has <laughs> been a much easier way to do it because okay. uh, you can easily go back and redo something. Uh, you can make adjustments with the, you know, the volume um, of certain tracks much easier uh, but you can add drums very easily and soundtrap has a huge library of drum beats of um some of the drum beats have harmonic progressions with them it has a key but you can also change the key of the harmonic progression so you know a couple of my students would turn in something in a you know a flat i'm like yeah let's let's take that down a half step and g is very nice <laughs> so nice um, <laughs> <laughs> so much nicer than a flat yeah uh, so I found mm -hmm. the kids were very successful with this, uh, even sort of in the, the first assignment. Yeah. Well, what kind of assignments were you giving um, with having to have them make a loop or they, did you give them um, what kind of parameters did you give or what? How, how did you do it? Just tell us. Yeah. So the first thing I did was I, I created a couple and, you know, we're, we're using Zoom for our, our lessons. So okay. I would, you know, share the computer sound with them mm -hmm. and, um, I, I would play something, they would play it back, and that, that works as long as they're all muted. Okay. Uh, my, my sound ends up being with my loop, so that's, that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, but the, one of the hidden sort of benefits of this is that when I tell them to take a solo, you know, in class, you know what happens when I say, hey, who wants to take a solo, you know? Freeze. <laughs> Crickets. <Nothing, right? laughs> and, uh, you know, so when, we're, when they're at home, in the room, uh, there's, there's no judgment for, for the solo, right? That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I would just leave the track playing. They would, uh, you know, take a solo on their own. And yeah. I, I would guide them as to which notes sound good. And mm -hmm. sure. Uh, so their, their first experience with it was just sort of playing along with me. And then uh, I did ask them to create one and, you know, the parameters I gave them were that they, they had to play on at least one of their tracks. Awesome. Um, and they it had to have four different parts. And, you know, one of the, the parts uh, that I, I liked the best was, uh, let's see if I can recreate it here. You know, this sound is actually just a metal uh, drinking canister I had in my room, you know. So mm -hmm. I, we used homemade sounds. We used finger snaps. We used claps. I mean, we had kids bringing out secondary instruments, guitars, and nice. all kinds of things. So I, I think the, the create, creative aspect of that 
was was a lot of fun, and the kids made it individual. Uh, they could also uh, pick a tune that they they like and, and just use that. You know, one of the the loops that I did was uh, "Ants Marching" by Dave Matthews. You know? Okay. You might have recognized that that opening track from this podcast. Uh, the intro music was that Dave Matthews uh, "Ants Marching" loop uh, that I used uh, for my kids, and uh, it's just a, a great easy tune to rock out to d major hard to play wrong note and just really a lot of fun and you can pick a song that already exists you can do that billy eilish bad guy tune just uh-huh. figure it out you know so nice um so that i gave them i think enough parameters and uh, they were free to to do a lot of creative stuff with it that sounds awesome and then um did you did you have to show them the tools for a long time before you gave the assignment or did you work on them together and then and then you set them on their own or how, how did you like how much time did you spend teaching the tools right yeah so teaching how to use mm-hmm. soundtrap um yeah i think a lot of us have felt like a first year teacher all over again this year and <laughs> yeah that was that was certainly me uh teaching soundtrap um mm-hmm. and i think you know if if we ever had to do this again, God forbid, like I would be much better at teaching Soundtrap on day one. But I think, yeah, yeah I, I would spend probably 15, 20 minutes uh, each class toward the beginning of the year uh, teaching them how to use, you know, Soundtrap, mm-hmm. um, you know, how to how to cut and paste, how to trim uh, a clip, all those those things. So, yeah. but it's it's pretty intuitive, and I did find a couple students. You know, we're, we're ahead of me at times. You know, I go look sure. at their assignments and they're um, they're certainly figuring out how to edit themselves uh, as, as fast as I'm learning how to do this, too. So. Right. Um, yeah, um, that's that's awesome. And then do you know I know that your district bought everybody a subscription, but are they are teachers able to use it, try it or have a, some kind of um, limited use? with it without having to pay or is it something that requires a subscription? Yeah, there is, I believe a, a one month free trial. For okay. It. So yeah, I, I uh, even before the school year started, I did get a little head start and, and try mm-hmm. to figure some things out in there. So if that's still the way it was earlier this year, there's a one month. Okay. Uh, free yeah. Trial. That would be neat to try out. And, you know, I, I done, um, especially the last spring, I was just trying out a lot of different things to see what was going to work and what wasn't. And so I did, uh, you know, a couple different websites that were on trial basis or with my students in a limited capacity. And, um, you know, you see it. And if it's something that really interests you or uh, will will really work, then, you know, obviously you can invest in it. Um, Our district purchased smart music for everybody. And I'm not the hugest fan, but, um, you know, it was provided and, uh, I was able to to make some use of it, you know, different different capacities for different or, uh, orchestra classes, but um, yeah, so far so good with that. And um, but Soundtrap does sound pretty awesome uh, for th- those kind of creative outlets and just recording. Um, it does not do video; it's just simply audio. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, the you know, last thing I'll say about Soundtrap: it, the nice thing is that it does allow me to create an assignment. Sort of like uh, in Google Classroom where you create an assignment and then you give each student uh, an individual assignment. Like know? copy. That, yeah, copy yeah. of it. Yeah. And that can have my track in it. 
You know, my oh, more nice. advanced kids, sometimes I'm just giving them a blank one, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, uh, and then there's the, the collaboration tool, which does get a little, um, difficult because students can see each other's work, which I know, you know, it, we're used to in, in class. I mean, the kids mm-hmm. certainly hear each other play, but it is, it is very personal sure. to, to put yourself out there like that so that I, you know, so far I haven't had any issues with it, but yeah, you know, I'm just aware of the, the fact that it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's, yeah, it, absolutely. it can be uncomfortable for kids. Absolutely. I, I've done some of that with Flipgrid too, where you're, you know, um, submitting video responses or, um, you know, ideas, whatever. And I, I have some students who are, you know, are a little timid and we're a little bit nervous about it, but at the same time, um, I, I think for us, it, it was a tool for building community and, you know, this could be similar that way too. And, you know, I, I think it's important for students to hear other kids play and, you know, not necessarily to, to compare themselves to them, but in some ways, maybe a little bit of that, um, kind of, you know, sets a standard and, um, you know, can be inspirational when you have a kid who's, you know, hot shot and, um, other kids trying to reach to that level. You know, I've, I've had that be, you know, program changers before where you have that one standout and everybody wants to be like them, you know? Yeah. You know, speaking of sharing music, I'll, I'll go back to one more cool thing about the loop. Yeah. Is that, you know, students would uh, submit it. Uh, and then, you know, I would pick maybe a handful of them as, as good examples. And I, I can play those back in class mm-hmm. on Zoom without anyone knowing whose loop it is. Great. I could say this, this was a really awesome example of a loop. You know I mean? Yeah. Check out this beat. I mean, this is sick. This is great. <laughs> and you know, then I would ask the student, Hey, do you want to be acknowledged? You right. Know, they could tech chat me if they wanted. And if not, they, they hopefully just felt really good that they got a shout out in front of everyone, even, you know, whether yeah. they want the recognition or not. That's you know? right. And I, I found it in a couple of cases that the kids who were getting recognition were not, some of the better players, you know, some yeah. of the kids who might not usually get the recognition in class, you know, so I, I thought that was a, That's you know, fantastic. a really good just benefit of that assignment. And we all jammed to them, you know, it's yeah. okay, here, here are the notes that work well with this, you know, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I always thought whenever I've done some improv lessons and things that my students who necessarily weren't the best players or the best music readers sometimes had better ears and they just that was that was their side of music that they thrived um and it was it was always impressive you know and some of my students who were the hot shot players couldn't improvise at all they were just you know give give it to me on the page or I don't want it you know so that was my my lesson for them was we have to balance we have to be able to uh, be good ear musicians and good visual musicians and be able to read and listen and improvise and be flexible. I think that's, I think it's really important, you know, for complete musicianship. Um, you know, in, in the string world, we always get pigeonholed into, you know, we can't improvise and a lot of us can't, and that's not our strong point, but we all have to work at it. And I think it's, I think, like I said, I think it's important for students to be able to experience that. I never did in high school. You know, it was always, this is the page. And, um, I really didn't start improvising until I was in Las Vegas and I had the, um, Craig Yancey, our amazing band director, we could play anything and I was just mesmerized and he, uh, he taught me a lot. I learned a lot from him 
and so that was a that was a, a big moment and big changing point in my teaching and my playing too. Yeah, and really in the, this musical moment right now, I mean, how, how many concerts have we all watched, you know, on YouTube or on TV <laughs> of artists from home? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. everyone's sort of in this situation, and and uh, you know, the looping is is something that I've actually just done for myself for just joy right now because we're not we're not playing. Yeah, yeah, not playing with others. It's it's a uh, it's something that I'm hoping when everything returns to normal that people will really uh, embrace and, and continue to want to do and do more. Um, you know, it's, I, I hope that the, the kids who are, who were, um, you know, so embracing technology will want to get rid of it and just be like, okay, I don't want to do with a computer anymore or video games. I want to play my instrument. That's what I'm hoping for. It's like a counter reformation. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've, I've thought the same thing and I hope you're right. I hope there's a, you know, a yearning for for live music mm -hmm. you know, and a yearning to come together and uh, and play right you know, and uh, it, it's be gonna nice. be very interesting to see yeah because mm -hmm. and I'm sure you're like me too or like you know you've watched uh, you know something on television and people are packed together and you sort of have this this convulsion now you're like how could people be that close together you know and uh, mm -hmm. I, I think there might be this this sort of initial reaction like, well, I don't know if I want to get back and group things, but I, I I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm wrong. I hope that, that uh, people want to get back on the, the baseball field and, and uh, yep. back in the orchestra and back in the pool and all those things. I definitely do, and I think a lot of people will. And you know, I know that you know it's it's interesting to think about our economy and you know there's ups and downs, but. Uh, I just can't imagine it not just totally going through the roof once people are able to buy tickets to concerts and sporting events and doing this and that in groups and going out to eat. And I mean, I, <laughs> we're, we're in, we're in for uh, hopefully a, a really great thing down the road here. If we can keep strong and get through all this and I, th I think it's going to be awesome. So yeah, I, I do too. Hoping 2021 is that year. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, Brad, uh, it's been awesome, uh, having you on the show and, uh, really interested to, uh, for, you know, for, uh, all that you were talking about. And, uh, um, again, just, uh, so great to catch up with you and, and hear about what's going on and wish you the best of luck this school year. I know that, uh, it'll be challenging, but, uh, we'll get through it and hopefully again, back to normal very, very soon. Um, but again, thanks for, thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome, Chuck. It's been a pleasure, and uh, um, you know, hope, hope people take ideas from this. And I'm sure Chuck can uh, attest to uh, how many of our things we have, uh, things we do, we've we've taken from other people, you know. And I think that's the way that's... We, uh, uh, you become a great teacher. Is you you see what works, and you, you take it, and you steal it, and you tweak it. And occasionally, you might have an original idea. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, if you don't, sure. it's okay. Yeah, if you don't yeah. have an original idea, that's okay too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, I, I think um, you know this this pandemic has really brought a lot of our string community together. Um, you know, in a virtual way, but um, in a way that you know we're we're even more giving. And that's why I love doing these podcasts because I I do get some you know feedback from them, and um, it's it's always nice when people say you know just enjoyed listening to that and got some great ideas. So that's kind of why we do what we do. You know. Um, 
absolutely, absolutely. But uh, again, thanks so much, and uh, uh, I will definitely be putting Brad's contact info uh, in the description of the podcast. So if you would like to reach out to him, uh, his uh, email will be there. And uh, again, thanks for coming on, and we'll see you uh, all next time on the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. Stay safe out there. <music>